Welcome back to the latest episode of Analyzing Acme here on the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and in today's episode, we're going to focus on probably one of the first big moves of the Acme era when Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley hired Billy Donovan to be the head coach of the Chicago Bulls in 2020. Now, if you recall, this happened during that crazy shortened COVID season uh, when the regular season and playoffs took place in a bubble in Orlando, Florida. And Billy Don was coaching the Oklahoma City Thunder at the time. He agreed to part ways when the team was entering a rebuilding phase following uh, their elimination in the playoffs. At the time, there was some speculation from Adrian Wojnarowski that the Chicago Bulls could be interested, but it sort of petered off. Like the speculation died down a little bit and there was sort of pivoting to different assistants around the league. But then all of a sudden, one random weekday, the announcement came that Billy Donovan was going to be the next coach of the Chicago Bulls. And it really lined up the leadership of the Bulls, the key decision makers of the Bulls. Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, Billy Donovan, all were brand new heading into this 2020-21 season. It was sort of a refreshing vision for the Chicago Bulls. I remember a lot of positivity. Uh, even those that weren't maybe big fans from an X's and O's standpoint of Billy Donovan appreciated the hire because of the stature he had in the game. He was a respected voice and a respected coach choosing the Chicago Bulls. And it kind of got all of us excited as to what direction the Bulls were going towards because Billy's coming. Maybe there's a, a grander vision. And it's interesting to see where we're at now, where it seems like Billy is a very polarizing figure when it comes to the, I guess, direction or lack of direction that they've taken. And in some cases, the development or lack of development that's occurred under his watch. Fortunately, I have two guests Joining me today to talk about the Billy Donovan hire, both are very respected content creators within Bulls Nation, so really looking forward to breaking this all down with them. So let's bring our guests on first from the CHGO Bulls podcast, a frequent guest on the Rebuildable podcast. It's been a while since he's been on, but I'm glad to have him back on. Matt Peck. Matt, how's it going? Matt, it's been too long, man. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. And, of course, from Swish Theory, one of my favorites to follow on Twitter and, and makes me an educated basketball fan. So always love to read his tweets, read his work, listen to his podcasts. Lauro, Larry Golden, how's it going? Man, it's all good, man. But, uh, man, uh, um, making you smarter, that's that's something. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't think that. But, hey, I, I appreciate you giving me that little comment, man. I, I really do um, a compliment, I should say. Every um, time... Every time I read one of your tweets, it's like that that star with the more you know just kind of flashes by in my head. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you have to be that smart if you can rock a Bears outfit that dope. I mean, my goodness. Dude, hey, look, I appreciate you, Peck, man. I knew it was a re no, I'm just playing, man. I love I love you, Peck, man. You're amazing, man. Yeah, that that hat's awesome, by the way. I, I don't know where you got that, but that's an awesome freaking Bears hat. Man, uh I got surprised with it, like, um, for my birthday. It was the Bears draft day hat, I believe it is, so. That's awesome. And with the the prominent Bears head logo, which 
is the primary yeah. logo nowadays. But this is a Bulls podcast, so you know what? We'll move on. <laughs> um, do, do we have to? <laughs> well, this we're getting into to my wheelhouse when it comes to the the Bulls podcasting sphere, and it's it's uh, you know using hindsight and doing everything from a bird's eye view. So um, I've been doing these these episodes, kind of digging into different moments of the Acme era, and it's it's been what three years, four seasons, uh, you know, worth of a uh, tenure, but there's been a lot of interesting decisions made that have led us to this point right here as we're in December of 2023. And to me, one of the most impactful moments of the Acme era is the hiring of Billy Donovan and kind of went back in time and, and looked at this hire. And, you know, right after Billy Donovan decides to part ways with the Thunder, they, they reach that mutual agreement. There's like some relative speculation that the Bulls might be interested from Woj. And then it kind of petered off a little bit. You know, they start looking at assistant coaches uh, from around the league. And just out of nowhere, Billy Donovan ends up getting hired as Bulls head coach. And there seemed to be a lot of positivity. And I think it was just because there was so much change happening. You had Arturis Karnaschovas come in, Mark Eversley come in, Billy Donovan come in, and now there's a new brain trust for the Chicago Bulls, right? And it just seemed like a breath of fresh air. And at that same time, I went back and I listened to an episode of the Rebuildable podcast where you, Matt Peck, were on with Big Dave. And you both were very, very excited. So I want to kick this question off with you, and then we'll go to, to Larry here. Your initial thoughts were positivity. Why were you positive about the Billy Donovan hire? Probably because it was similar to feeling like a prisoner who was just set free. Um, I, I mean, honestly, fast forward to the present and Bulls fans can certainly point to certain specific flaws when it comes to Billy Donovan's strengths and weaknesses as an NBA head coach. But we were terrified even then when there were certain reports saying the new front office is going to come in and evaluate everything and that ownership is asking them to keep an open mind about retaining he who must not be named, or as my guy, Big Dave would say, the bald headed menace. I'll say his name because I'm on, I'm on, on your platform and I'm not afraid to say it. Jim Boylan was not only holding the Bulls organization captive, he was holding Bulls fandom captive and Billy Donovan was a complete change of direction from Jim Boylan in that he is a likable character. He's well-liked by his players by and large with maybe a couple of exceptions throughout his tenure. And he's an easy guy to root for. Bulls fans were dealing with a coach who clearly was flawed and not a very strong coach when it comes to X's and O's basketball and also was terrible personality-wise, character-wise a guy who wanted all of the credit and none of the blame for a team that was not performing well. Billy was a far departure from that. And I think that's why in that moment, myself and, and plenty of other Bulls fans looked at the Donovan hire as a sigh of relief. Well, first off, I completely agree with Matt. Like it was, I was over uh, the, the other guy. I was going to say that. Um, and there were, you know, I'll just like you said, I gotta keep my my uh answers shorter. So I'll just say it this way, right? So 
I went back to like his, you know, uh, Florida days where he had Joakim Noah and Al Horford. And obviously one of the bigger comps to Wendell was Al Horford. So the, the first thing that came to my mind was, is okay, Wendell Carter, maybe he can help him develop. Um, he's a player's coach, has, has always done a good job of putting the players in the right um, to put them in situations to play towards their strengths. Um, so I was kind of, I was very optimistic about it. Uh, I really was him coming in. It's interesting that that breath of fresh air, man, like you, you deal with, you deal with that, you know, shaved ball sack of a head coach. <laughs> that's, I think that's what we were all feeling at the time. Um, I'm actually curious and let's, we'll start with you, Laro, on this one and then go to Matt. Was there a specific turning point for you where you really started to sour on what Billy Donovan brought to the table as a coach? Wow. <clears throat> Great question. Um, I Here's the deal, man. Like, I don't know. I'll say it this way. So I am I still kind of rock with Billy in the sense of like, I love what he does defensively. Um, I just think where in terms of a turning point for me was more of his offensive side of, of things where I think it had to be when we, uh, when the Bulls traded for uh, Nikola Vucevic and you were starting to be, you know, super excited about some of the things that uh, Zach and Vooch could do together in the two man game. And I think again, where I started to sour towards him is when there was no creativity when there was no uh no thinking outside of the box with the type of pieces he had in turn on the offensive side and i think that was when i started to turn i guess like you said sour towards him but it was just more so on the offensive side um of things so i think that was probably where things started to turn for me a bit yeah similarly i, I don't uh i can't pinpoint a, a specific time where i fully soured on billy and i think still you know, a third of the way through this season, I'm not fully soured on Billy and his coaching capabilities. I I agree with Larry that that on the offensive side, I had at times over the last few seasons been frustrated with the lack of offensive creativity, while also reminding myself regularly that some of those limitations were the roster that Billy was given and that that is not entirely on him. Meanwhile, he took a roster that was filled with flawed defensive players and managed to turn it into a top five NBA defense last season. I, I still feel like Billy does not get enough credit for that, considering the pieces he was given to work with. Um, I, I guess if there was a point recently where I soured on Billy more than I previously had been, it was those consecutive losses to Orlando, both of which they scored a measly 33 points in the first half in consecutive games and it looked like the team had just quit on Billy or he had quit on them and it was not just those two games but a team that repeatedly was coming out flat in the first quarter of games digging themselves a giant hole and I have to point at least some portion of that failure to the head coaching chair um, it's been nice to see them sort of rebound recently they're getting off to better starts they're, they're competing harder the offense is more free-flowing whether or not that has more to do with Zach Levine's absence is a different discussion. But I felt at that point that we th the Bulls had gotten to such a bad place that maybe Billy had lost the locker room with his voice. And, and I felt like that was a change compared to previously. So, Matt, do you think that his biggest flaw is more 
related to that communication or do you think bigger flaw in the X's and O's portion may be offensively? I think both of those flaws exist. Um, he's never been, in my opinion, a great offensive basketball mind. Sometimes, even with the flawed roster, like Larry was saying earlier, you could look at the pieces he did have and say, how can you not create something more creative than this? Because it was essentially two plus seasons of players playing ISO basketball and a lot of mid-range basketball, and it's ugly and boring to watch. How could Billy not come up with something better than that? Um, but then you see this recent stretch again, where they're running through a more, you know, offensive hub style of play with Vooch, who is maybe the the version of the player that AK was excited about getting when he made the trade for him. But then the communication aspect of it, I, I do generally think Billy is well liked by his players. And, you know, when I was mentioning Boylan earlier and Billy being such a departure from that, the Bulls have just been sort of seesawing between coaches that are too hard-assed and their players get sick of them really quick and play and coaches who are maybe a little too nice and a little too soft. I mean, think about it. Tibbs, Hoiberg, Boylan, Billy. It's, it's a seesaw. And I do think that part of Billy's flaw communication wise is that maybe he's not hard enough on his players sometimes when it comes to holding them accountable. Yeah. Um, real quick, Matt, like, um, I totally agree with you. I, I, I used to say I didn't want to say it on on Twitter because I I don't I don't really like dealing with like a lot of the backlash, but like I do agree with you in terms of like him not kind of like I I love that he's player he's a player uh, coach and that's all fine and dandy, but I think there are certain times where you kind of have to say, look, hey, when we come down the floor, so and so has to touch the ball. Like we need to make sure we're getting the ball here. We need to make sure, hey, when we're coming off that screen, we're fly-. like just. And again, we're not in the huddle. So I don't know if that maybe he is and the players are just like, whatever. But um, like, it just feels like sometimes he does need to kind of say, hey, look, hey, let's 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 make sure we get into this. And so I totally agree, man. I, I'm glad you said that. OK, so I want to take us back in time to 2020. And I had mentioned that there were like some other names kind of circulating uh, to be the head coach of the Bulls. And, and it, it, a lot of them were assistant coaches. I think we had like uh, Aime Udoka. Um, you had uh, Adrian Griffin. I think that was a, a name that was floating out there. Um, I know it's kind of hard to to remember back then, but were there, you know, names that you were interested in as, aside from Billy at the time? Um, I'll start with you, Laro, and then we'll go to Matt for this question. That is a great question. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think it all boils back down to um, what Peck said at the beginning. And that's like, we just, we wanted something new. Like, um, wanted something where, you know, you can rip the, the punch clocks out, off the, the walls. Um, we don't have players forming like, you know, mutiny. There's no mutiny going on. Like we 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 wanted to see like a coach come in just and just be different than the the other guy. And so um I don't know if I had like a a particular um target that I wanted. Um but also like I was just I kind of was happy to have Billy. I mean uh when he came in he 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 dealt with superstars before. Um the defensive side of the ball was something that he hung his hat on. 
Um, we saw him like running three guard offenses with Dennis and Chris and Shay when he was there. So it was like, like okay, he's got he got some some cool things that he's gonna bring. So let's see how how it goes. I, I think that was kind of you know remembering back. I think that's how I was feeling towards the the hire. Yeah, Matt, was there a name on your radar at the time or like, was it like, hey, I, I really don't care <laughs> whoever they I bring mean, in, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, yes. First and foremost, I was just sitting there thinking to myself, for the love of God, anyone but Jim, get this guy out of here. I did have sort of a couple of different lists. You know, I had like my pie in the sky list that I thought was probably less likely guys that were maybe less attainable or the Bulls would have had to try to steal away from, from their current gig. And then I, I was ready to make my peace with it if it was, uh, you know, a first-time head coaching kind of hire, which the the Bulls had clearly shown a track record of, you know, being willing to go that route. Tibbs was a first-time head coach. Hoiberg was a first-time head coach. Um, Jim, obviously, my God, uh, how did he get there? But, you know, so like, whether it was Udoka or some of those other names, Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, you know, was another one that I would have been okay with, and that was the name that was floated around as maybe a likely candidate before Billy entered the conversation. <laughs> that poor bastard stuck with the Washington Wizards right now. I still do think Wes Unsell Jr. could be a good NBA head coach given you know the right environment. Um, but I mean, like, I, as a Bulls fan who always has thought that this organization does not do enough to, you know swing swing their bigness around the league to get what they want i was thinking go get nick nurse or or you know go go get monty williams who i think was attainable at the time and i know people have brought monty's name into question recently given you know the the turmoil that, that he is in with his gig right now but th those were good coaches who i wanted to go to come here and then Billy entering the conversation and ending up getting the job, I was fine with it because it was someone who had NBA head coaching experience and did fairly well. Yeah, didn't get a championship with, you know, the KD Westbrook Thunder, but it did pretty darn well with other iterations of that Thunder team after KD left and then after Westbrook left. Um, and he was respected and liked throughout the league and had head coaching experience. That was good enough for me. You know, you brought up Monty Williams. And so Monty Williams, I think he was hired the season before by the Suns. Mm -hmm. But they had ripped the interim tag off of Jim Boylan that summer. And right. I really wanted Monty going into the 19 and, and 20 season because of, of how young the roster was. And you saw what he did turning around the Phoenix Suns that year. I think they ended up going into the bubble and they made some noise. And mm -hmm. Yeah, they went 8-0 in the yeah, bubble. Yeah. Exactly. And you, you think like about how that was a missed opportunity. But yeah, I remember at that time, I really wanted Monty Williams as as the head coach. Um, you know, one of the things that um, you know, keep thinking about when doing these episodes is how the stakes sort of changed um, in terms of like the direction the Bulls were taking. Because when Billy comes in, you know, there's a, a younger roster available right it's it's a different situation it was about building this young core and then all of a sudden it just shifts you know um you trade for Nikola Vucevic you make some major signings in the summer of 2021 and 
the stakes changed very quickly. Um, I'm curious what you guys think, and we'll start with you, Matt, then we'll go to, to you, Laro. How effective do you think Billy could have been with a younger team? You know, maybe a core with Zach, Pat, Lonzo, maybe, you know, talking, uh, what's his name out in Orlando, uh, Franz Wagner, right? Like, no Vooch or DeMar. How do you mm. think that situation would have been if it would have just been signing Lonzo Ball and calling it a day? I I would like to see that alternate timeline. Um, I, I think Billy could have done done some interesting good things with it. There is one thing that I was frustrated with Billy about back then when he had first arrived and the front office had first arrived and they spent the 2021 season sort of as an evaluation year of what they inherited. And what they decided is that they really didn't like much of what they inherited. They ended up keeping Zach because that was his first all-star year and he started playing really well. But, you know, flipped Wendell. The, the part that frustrated me about Billy is the role that Lowry marketing devolved into having on the team because back when the Jimmy Butler trade first happened, I had higher hopes for Lowry Markkinen's NBA all-stardom than for Zach Levine's. And in the earliest days of my Bulls podcasting, I was screaming about how Lowry Markkinen deserved and needed more touches and more focus to build around him than a flawed Zach Levine. And Lowry, maybe it's just kind of the type of person he is. He just kind of took that back seat. You could tell he was frustrated in that final year before you know he moved in that sign and trade that following offseason um but i often think about a bulls team that has lowry on it instead of zach and has a, you know a competent uh complimentary wealth of of shooters around it a a quality passing big man like vooch paired with a floor spreading four like lowry and, and some competent guard play good perimeter defensive guard play I, I think Billy Donovan could have done some good things with a roster like that. Yeah, I um yeah, I think Billy I th the thing about um that situation is is I felt like those guys were so young when it when he came in that he he could be that almost like I don't want to, you know, make it sound so so like, you know, youthful, but like in terms of the players, but like he could be almost like that college level Billy where he can you know, hey, let's run this set and let's do that just to kind of help them continue to grow because um, you don't have like a um, a vet like DeMar DeRozan or Nikola Vucevic that are like guys are like done with that part. They're like, yo, give me the ball and let let me let us figure it out. Like he'll, he he had those young guys that could have, you know, brought them along uh, at the time. He had Wendell, who he was trying to help evolve into that hub type player that he has Vuce as. Um, and now if you've watched some of the the Orlando Magic games when he's healthy, like he's gotten a lot better at it. I mean, he's not a super, you know, he's not uh, like a high level passer, if you will, but he's really good at it. And um, who knows, maybe he would have grown in that situation that he would have grown that skill set here. And now you have Lowry, um, you know, being able to be that guy that he's been he's he's grown into being now where I think they made him kind of just like a, a, a floor spacer catch and shoot, you know, for where. Lowry's ball handling skills is better than like you know it, you know guys at his his position is and I he, I think he wanted to be able to play that way more the way he's playing now where he can catch and you know drive all the way to the basket and catch and play off the bounce a little bit more and I think you had to think a little bit outside of the box with Lowry and I don't know if 
you know, coach, not, not only Billy, but other coaches were really thinking that way. And so um, I do think if with, you know, given, um, you know, the time that, you know, if they wouldn't have traded for Vooch, I, I feel like they would have figured some things out. Um, but uh, I don't know, man, like I, I would have loved to see that. I would have loved to see Billy with the younger guys. Um, Cause I think things would have looked a little bit better. I mean, you would have, you would have had guys like a Patrick Williams being able to, you know, now with, we talk about this all the time, you know, in terms of like, you know, it's not about, you know, what they didn't do it's about what they did do. Um, but like if they didn't uh, trade for a Vucevic and go win now would have been nice to see, you know, uh, Patrick and all these other guys like Kobe and everybody just get those on ball reps and, you know, m- you know, do other things earlier, who knows where they'd be now. Um, and uh, for, and, Patrick's situation you know you would know you wouldn't be wondering you know at this moment where you have to worry about you know do we pick up the fifth year option and things like that you would already kind of know like okay he's only this guy um and there is nothing else you know to to look at so who knows who knows but I would have loved to see what it looked like one of the things that I think is a common theme that comes up with Billy Donovan and really the the situation when you start looking at Acme's change in philosophy is that there hasn't been, I think, a clear player development strategy or consistent player development going on. Um, even go back to that first year under Billy Donovan, I think there were questions about Kobe White's development at that point. And, you know, he's become sort of a success story as this season's gone on. And I, I would even say that it started a little bit last year with him. But, you know, we, we still don't know enough about Patrick Williams. Like, there's still an incomplete grade there. Um, Dalen Terry, first-round pick. We still don't know if he's even an NBA player at this point. Um, you know, we're not really going to know much about Julian Phillips, uh, probably in, for a while. So, I guess when it comes to that, how much blame do you put on Billy Donovan for developing young players on the roster? Is this a, a larger organizational issue I'll start with you, Laro, and then we'll go to Matt. Um, I think last year, um, I was, I was really like frustrated with Billy in terms of how he went about certain things. But I think as time has gone on, and I've had time to sit down and kind of really think about it, um, he doesn't control the money, the you know that the front office, uh. Has access to in order to bring in like player development guys and things like that. Um, so I think it's more so on the front office. I think it's more so um, the roster they gave him. Um, especially, I know I don't know if we'll get into it at all, but especially since Zach has sat down, um, like you're starting to see guys, you know, um, take a step forward, and it makes you wonder, like you know, if you have taken two ball you know if you take one ball uh you know heavy ball handler off the floor like you're starting to see guys take up that usage in different ways and you're starting like kobe is taking and you know i mean he's hidden you know he's he's heading off in a different uh stratosphere right now but it also coincides with adding uh, a, a player development guy and peter Patton um that you know seems like all the players like um and so it just makes you wonder like i don't even think about billy anymore like of course each he he is the you know he's the one that puts them in you know certain spots on the floor and tells them they want to they should do this role um but i think it's more so um 
the front office. I'll just put it that way. I, I think Billy, you can say th- certain things about Billy, but I think it's more so about the front office and how they've gone about their business and in, in that development department. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. Um, maybe, maybe Billy deserves some share of blame for the lack of development of this small collection of young players who have been drafted into this organization since he took the head coaching job. But an NBA head coach has a million responsibilities on a daily and hourly basis. He can't be fully responsible when you're talking about who gets blame for some of these younger guys not developing properly. Um, You know, maybe some of it is the front office not doing their jobs thoroughly enough. I think one quote that I recall that gets buried oftentimes, but I read it and still think about it like, Oh, Bulls fans, here's a reminder of what we're dealing with is when AK and Eversley arrived. I can't remember which one of them said, it. I think it was AK. And they just took a look around after taking the job, said he was shocked by how small the Bulls staff was. Their basketball staff, how small it was, because it was laughably small compared to pretty much every other NBA organization, regardless if you're a big market or a small market. And everything since then, is it because the front office said that and observed that and then did nothing about it because they're lazy or incompetent or because it took them a while to convince their bosses, AKA ownership to actually shell out some more money to build out a proper staff, including a player development staff, which bulls fans are all painfully aware of only happened a year ago. You're an NBA franchise and one of the biggest ones, and you didn't have a player development staff. That is unforgivable, gross incompetence and negligence, and it is not Billy Donovan's gross incompetence and negligence. That is the organization's. I I don't know if you guys watched uh, last week tonight uh, with John Oliver. One of his more recent episodes, he did this long thing piece about those like uh, budget stores like, you know, Family Tree uh, or Dollar Tree and, and, and Dollar General and how horribly they are run by ownership and how much they abuse their employees. We're talking entire stores where they have shifts of one employee running the whole place, accepting deliveries, stock room, you know, organization, running checkout counters, helping customers, one person on staff per shift. And I was watching that thing piece and thinking, my God, this is the Bulls. This is the Bulls organization. So, no, I don't put that on Billy. You know, it kind of reminds me, and I do remember hearing about that. And there were a lot of reports, I think, a couple of years leading into, like, the big overhaul of changes where it said that they spent the least amount of money in player development and uh, within, like, those types of player development staffing. Um but it always makes me think of a story. Um, and, you know, I'm not the biggest hockey fan, but you ever hear the story about when John McDonough took over as president of the Blackhawks and the overhaul that happened there. And he's he used to tell the story about the first time he walked into the building, he saw like. Person that answered the phone uh, as a receptionist handled like everything from tickets to f- calls from other executives to everything it was basically just a glorified switchboard operator. And, you know, it's just like a big culture shock, like, wow, this is this is a, you know, multi-million dollar sports franchise run like this. Um, And it's kind of scary. Like there's 
stories with the Bulls that we keep hearing about, kind of like similar mom and pop running, but you know, we shouldn't be surprised given the ownership. Um, I do have a question uh, that I want to get to before we wrap up here. Um, and it has to deal with the latest performance from the Bulls. Um, because when I originally came up with this episode, like I think at that point, the Bulls were you know, maybe at like five wins and you know, it was close to a month ago when I started developing all these uh, these ideas here. But, you know, what we've seen the latest performance is, you know, Kobe White taking massive strides in his game, um, a little more of a, a cohesive style of play. And you, you both highlighted that. Um, how much of that do you put on Billy? Um, for what we're seeing right now, do you think it could help maybe salvage his reputation amongst most of Bulls Nation? I'll start with you, Matt, and then we'll go to you, Laura. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious to see if this trend continues. And, and you know, let's let's be clear. Have I been wildly impressed by this stretch where they've won five of their last seven? No. Look at the competition. It's nice to see watchable basketball some of them being wins it's a refreshing change of pace for bulls fans who hated their lives for the back half of october and all of november uh but i i mean i i want to see a bigger sample size but i've already seen certain you know small waves on on our you know community of, of bulls twitter and, and bull social media of people who were chasing billy donovan out of town with clubs pitchforks, torches, who have seen just a handful of games where the ball is moving, you know, things are happening more fluidly. They look like an actual NBA offense. And because this is all happening while one of their star players is sitting on the shelf rehabbing an injury, some people are starting to think, is Billy actually at least a decent coach and that the problem was not him, but the problem lied elsewhere and lies elsewhere. I I think we've already started to see a little bit of that shift um, because, I mean, you guys know, too, you're on Bulls Twitter all, all day, every day, just like I am. It Like the fervor around the Billy Donovan. We had people watching our postgame shows who had the audacity to claim that Billy Donovan was a worse coach than Jim Boylan. And that's when I was like, okay, y'all, look, <laughs> Billy has his flaws, but my God, is that really how much Bulls fans have lost all faith in this guy? Because I thought that was overboard. And we're already starting to see a turn because we also know it doesn't take much for Bulls fans, you know, it, it only takes a little bit of soil and a little bit of fertilizer to, you know, grow grow the rose of hope in a you know in a shitty cracked sidewalk that is a, an organization we root for a handful of games against subpar competition and bulls fans are already like oh maybe maybe billy's not that bad so i i'm fascinated by it and i want to see a bigger sample size and with zach levine continuing to be on the shelf in these you know weeks and and months and change leading up to the trade deadline i think we're going to get that chance yeah, I, I agree with uh, Peck. Like, I want to see more. But um, I was, you know, doing my own little, like, research, um, you know, a couple days ago. But ESP, ESP, uh, ESPN, NBA.com has this stat where they do um, time per touch. And 
Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan both um, touched the ball whenever they touched the ball is for an average of four seconds. And so I wondered, you know, what that looked like, you know, after um, once Levine went down and no one besides Zach, uh, I'm sorry, besides DeMar is touching the ball for that long. And so now I think you're starting to see what, what, and I don't want to make this out to be a Zach thing. I really don't. I just think that the Zach that we were getting was a Zach that was checked out. That was like, I'm over this. So we weren't getting the best of him. But I think you take that Zach off the floor and now you add guys that all want to, you know, younger guys that want to play the opposite of the way they were playing before. Um, you, you know, now Vucevic gets to play the way that he wants to play in terms of being that hub, the way he was with Orlando. Um, and I think, you know, Nikaias Duncan did a good job of kind of uh, bringing up the stat of like now, you know, since Zach Levine has been out, Vucevic actually leads the league and touches um, above the free throw line. And I think like that says a lot. And I think that, you know, now you have one guy doing it. So I think before, I'm sorry, one guy like kind of holding on to the ball and DeMar, which I don't think anybody would complain with DeMar having the ball, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, he just does a good job with his, you know, understanding when to take a shot, understanding when to get off the ball, um, when to play make. Um, but I think now, like, you know, you're starting to see these guys play a little bit more connected. And not, this is something that Zach Levine, we always hope that he'd get better at. Um, and I think, you know, when he would drive, and attack the basket, it was more so I'm getting to the free throw line or I'm getting to the front of the rim. And I think now, I think yesterday was a great uh, example of it with Io and Kobe is when they drive, yeah, they're going to get to the bucket, but they also do a better job of, hey, hitting that dump off pass, you know, dropping it off to, uh, to Vucevic and you know, hitting the skip pass on the other side or reading when, you know, like they're doing a better job of reading the game and keeping the ball movement moving. Um, consistently like that was the problem with with Zach is like when Zach would attack like it like it sometimes he hit the corner sometimes maybe less than sometimes he hit the drop off you know and it was just it was like one drive and done and it and mm -hmm. I just think like the offense has just been so connected and I don't want to make it out to be all about Zach but I just think the offense has just been a lot better it's been more more fluid um, now you take Zach off the floor on the defensive side. Now you got Io, you got Pat, you got um, you know uh, Caruso, Tory. So you're having more defensive players on the floor now, more two-ish, two-way-ish players, and I think it's helping the defense. And so it it's it sucks, you know, that it, it's happening right like this way. But it is what it is, man. It really is. Um, but I do think you're seeing things that are not like hot streaky-ish or something that can't stick. I think you're seeing a style of basketball as long as Kobe continues to play the, he doesn't have to shoot 50% from three, but as long as he continues to be the player he's been, I do think this is something that can stick. If I could just quickly follow up on, on what Laro said there, and I'm glad you brought up that Nikaias Duncan breakdown because I saw it too and was fascinated by it. Um, and, and you also were talking about, you know, number of seconds that Zach Levine was holding the ball, that DeMar was holding the ball. And I, I think, Maybe other than a handful of people, you know, shout out Stacey King. He's one of them who were clamoring for more Vooch, Vooch post-ups. Like when it was the big three and it was like, all right, Zach's, Zach's possession, DeMar's possession, Vooch's possessions were just antiquated, bad post-up basketball. 
And that's never been a great strength of his, certainly not since he was much younger. He rarely has a size advantage over our, you know, opponent center any night. He's either short on height or, you know, short on muscle, depending on who the matchup is. Posting up Vooch, they were still doing it more than most centers across the NBA. So people who were clamoring for more of it weren't really looking at that. But the thing that Nikai uh, post, uh, pointed out is that in this recent stretch of games with no Zach Levine and a lot more ball movement, Vooch is getting more touches, but he's not holding the ball as long because he was holding the ball forever. Dribble, dribble, back down, back down, bad shot in the post. And instead, we're getting a more engaged Vooch, who I think is happier playing this brand of basketball and is being used as that whip pass center who's swinging the ball and you know taking advantage of double teams and slow closeouts, finding shooters, finding cutters. And it is way more efficient. And Bulls fans were kind of rolling their eyes when there was a report about Vooch leading into the season about how he would like some more touches. And it wasn't about, I want more touches because I want more shots. It was, I think moving through me more will be good for everyone and the offense as a team. And we've kind of seen that turn out to be true in this recent stretch of games. I think it's, it's well said. And like, I kind of hope that, you know, we can kind of see more, like you mentioned earlier, Peck and you too, Laro, about, you know, you still want to, you want to see more. Um, you don't want to just base this off of small 12 game sample size, but uh, it is something that, you know, um, definitely want to kind of keep evaluating as this season goes on, because I, I think one way or another, Billy's going to be here for a while. Like, you know, he, he was given that extension. So it's, it's not like they're going to pay him to go away and, and not coach this team. The Bulls don't do that very much. So we know that's the organizational philosophy. Um, I want to finish with just getting a final grade from you guys of this move when it happened. and Or I guess I, I shouldn't say this move when it happened. It, just overall, if you had to grade the hire of Billy Donovan by Acme, what letter grade would you give it? I'm going to start with, with Laro, and then we'll go to you, Peck. Ooh, good question. Um. I think if you, you add all the ingredients in the bad steps of uh, AK will act me. Um, I probably would give it like a C plus C plus maybe. Um, yeah, I think that's the grade I'd give it. I'm, I'm pretty much right there. Uh, I was thinking C plus maybe if I were feeling like a generous teacher bumping it to a B minus just because it lifted such a dark, hardened cloud off my heart to get rid of Jim Boylan. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, when, when you look at all the factors, the other candidates they were discussing, interviewing, and the one they ended up choosing, and the product that Bulls fans have seen from when that hire happened to now, it it's hard to give it much better than a C+. But I certainly don't think it's it's the D or F that somehow a huge portion of this fan base now feels it is and was. I think those are fair grades. I feel like it's it's holding him accountable for some of the things that you know he was responsible for as a coach, but also kind of looking at big picture, like you know the things that Acme has done to this point, ownership has done to this point. 
has kind of prevented it from being better, you know, and, and we have a lot of episodes coming where we're going to really get into like the roster construction and limitations that have got us to this point. But um, I think those are fair grades for for Billy Donovan or the Billy Donovan hire by by Acme back in 2020. Um, before we part ways, um, want folks to know where they can find all your, your great content, find uh, p- your podcasts. So we'll start with you, Matt. Where can uh, people find out about, uh, find, follow you and stalk you? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, Matt, thank you for the invitation. It's always great chatting hoops with you. I miss doing it more frequently. And Laro, same goes for you, man. Uh, we gotta, we gotta get you to swing by the CHO studio sometime and hang out with us. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, you know, we're doing, we're in the thick of a season, uh, CHO bulls. We do pregame and postgame, uh, for all 82. And, um, you know, they're always streamed live on our YouTube channel, CHO sports. You can subscribe to that. And then every post-game show also gets distilled into our podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm at Bulls underscore Peck on Twitter. We're CHO underscore Bulls. And shout out and, and uh, instruction to follow the rest of my guys, if you aren't already. Will, uh, Will, Will the Go Gottlieb, Will underscore Gottlieb. He's our uh, lead reporter. He does great work, great writing. Big Dave, Bow, BWL Sports. And our guy... Mark K over in Australia, MK Hoops, one of Laura's favorite people to talk about Patrick Williams with, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. Uh, ow. All right, all right. I always wanted to say that. But anyway, um, so uh no, man. Hey, first of all, if you invite me, invite me into the studios, I need some of them three one twos. I gotta give me some of those. Um, love those. But anyway, Dude, um, we have an entire closet full of cases of three one two. Oh my lord. I, I mean, I'm a company man. I love almost every beer that goose island makes but i will say that the the stock of 312 is depleting uh more slowly because most people in our office prefer other goose island beers so you can come and have all the 312 you want man (laughs) look hey man all right anyway um (laughs) so first of all again like like matt said i appreciate you um inviting me back on it's always fun to come on um um and talk to you guys um, especially when, when Drew was on with you as well. So um, where you can R. find R. me. At... Oh, right, 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 right. Um, okay, he's still alive. He's still alive I, doing great job. Say, I could have sworn <laughs> I just saw a tweet nope. of his like earlier today. Yeah, no, he'll, <laughs> I'm kidding. He'll be, a, he's still going to be a frequent guest and everything, but, and I'm, I'm oh, happy for man. him, but had to say that. Um, no, but you can catch me over at Switch Theory. Uh, we got a bunch of great content coming out soon, especially for the draft um we're, we're kind of putting together our draft boards as we speak um but outside of that you can catch me on the switch theory pod with chris amundsen shout out my brother from another mother um you know uh, uh i do some scouting as well cerebro sports i do a lot of local high school scouting um around the area um probably going to be moving uh you know outside of this area pretty soon as well kind of getting my reach out there um, but outside of that, man, you just catch me on underscore Lara hoops on, at Twitter or X. Sorry, Elon. Um, and, uh, you know, that's about it. Don't be afraid to, uh, hit me up and talk some ball, especially my guy, Mark, you know, you probably catch us on there talking about some Patrick Williams, you know, you never know, man. <laughs> Absolutely. We've gotten better though. Awesome. Well, thank you both for coming on and talking about the Billy Donovan hire. As always, you can listen to more episodes of the rebuildable podcast through 
any of your streaming services, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you stream your podcasts, you'll be able to find the Rebuildable Podcast and all these additional episodes of Analyzing Acme. You can also, of course, follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Rebuild underscore A underscore Bowl. You can follow me at mgenteel 88 so you get all my latest thoughts on the Bulls and maybe some other Chicago sports, too, if you're interested. We'll be back soon with more episodes. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.